Welcome back to the After Everything Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep. And on today's episode, Gabe, Yanez, and I, we're back on the mic. Love talking to Gabe every week. We dive into different subjects. This week, I just got back from Africa. We actually record this podcast like right after I had landed, maybe like, I don't know, the day before or whatever it was. And so I talk about my experience going to Africa, going to Kenya, going to Tanzania, what that was like, keeping up with my fitness, et cetera. We then transfer into jiu-jitsu, which there was a big jiu-jitsu tournament actually this last weekend, which also happened to be the CrossFit Games, which of course we talk about the CrossFit Games, my kind of take on it. Definitely uh, definitely enjoyed watching those, enjoyed the jiu-jitsu tournament, enjoyed Africa. I share a lot about that today. We finished off by talking about a new Olympic lifting cycle that we have going on at NC Fit. So if you're a gym owner out there and you have not checked out the NC Fit Collective, it is the same session plan, it's the same programming that we do in all of our gyms available to you. We have a whole team that works on it. They do a kick-ass job. If you haven't checked it out, make sure to check out the NC Fit Collective. And if you're an athlete in your garage, in the gym, wanting to get after it, same workouts that we do on a daily basis, make sure to check out the NC Fit app. Now, without any further ado, let's have a great episode with Mr. Gabe Yanez. Let's go. All right, Mr. Ga- uh, Mr. Gabe Yanez, we are live and recording. I am holding an African Maasai Warrior Club. Um, which for those of you who aren't watching this on video, which is most people, uh, it's like probably about maybe, I don't know. What do you think? Two feet long Two feet, with, yeah. a head, with a head at the end. And man, it just looks like you can get cracked over the head with this thing. So, um, it was one of the gifts or one of the things I brought back from Africa. Um, want to talk about that and just got back from Africa, man, ready to rock and roll, get back in the trenches and get after it. Dude, I want to hear about your trip, man. We got to, I'm super interested because I haven't really talked to you since you got back. Um, I talked to you while you were there. It was funny. You were, uh, seemed to be more online while you were in Africa than, than when you're in California. So let me, so I'll just to kind of, so I got back <laughs> yesterday, right. And dude, the, the travel on the way back was brutal on the way there. It wasn't as bad on the way back. It was really bad. I had an eight hour layover in between a five hour flight and a 15 hour flight. So, so, so you had a five hour flight from, um, you know, uh, Tanzania to uh, Qatar and then a eight hour layover, which is like just the right amount of time just to suck. Like eight hours, a long time to just be waiting at the airport, even though that was a really nice airport and then 15 hours home. So we got home yesterday. Um, dude, I learned a lot, man. I had no idea what to expect with the safari experience and to kind of paint the picture. Um, you know, my father-in-law, he has two things on his bucket list. This is his two things. The first one is going to Africa and doing what we did. And the second one is going to space. So he signed up seven years ago with Richard Branson to go up to space, to, to go up in the, like the rocket ship. And he was just uh, approved. So he should be going up in the next like year or two. But the Africa one was a bucket list trip for him that he was very generous and took the whole family on. So there were seven of us uh, traveling to Africa for 14 days. It was a um, d- definitely, definitely not what I was expecting, but I didn't know what to expect. So it was great. Well, I was going to say, did it live up to expectations? Uh, what were, I guess you didn't have expectations going into it, but what, I don't know, what surprised you the most? Like what, what made you, you know, not what I was expecting? The biggest surprise is how close you got to the animals. I mean, dude, it was, it was, um, people can hate on me if they want, but it was scary, dude. Like there was parts of it that were scary. Like uh, you're in this like Jeep like a uh, land rover or land cruiser jeep people can't and, hit on you if they haven't been in the same situation bro i'm telling you gabe 
I'm telling you, you could watch all you want on National Geographic, but I swear to you, dude, at one point I was within probably, I don't know, a foot and a half of a female lioness, dude. And this girl, she just looked like she wanted to rip my head off. And so we left, but basically the way it works is you go out in these safaris. And so I didn't know this at the time. So I'll just kind of paint you the picture. You, you fly into Nairobi or wherever you go in Africa. And then from there, depending on like what type of structure you have, you take a, a charter or you take like a, a small plane and you land in what's called the bush. And when you land in the bush, you land on gravel, um, airstrips. You're not landing in an airport. You're landing in the middle of nowhere. And so you go from being Nairobi, which is like a pretty big city in Kenya to being in the middle of just nothing. And you land on a dirt, uh, airfield, which I had never experienced before, which was cool. So you get there and you go out daily on these safaris. And because I was able to be online is because we were like 10 hours difference. So what would happen is when I got up, our safaris would start normally like five 36 in the morning when uh, the animals were kind of out and about. But once the sun hits, they go and they they basically go below trees and it's not very engaging. And then we would go back out later on at night. But during that open time, that was like kind of like, a, there was a lot of downtime during the day where I would be hitting you up because it was just like your guys' morning. But you're in these like land cruisers and there is zero protection. Like no, nothing, not, like nothing. You're just in these chairs and between you and the animals is, is nothingness. There's no, there's no gate. There's nothing. And so you go around, you go look for animals. We ended up seeing a lot of stuff. So we saw a migration, which was really cool, where the wildebeest crossed the river. And we actually saw a crocodile take one down. That was really cool. We saw a cheetah hunt. We saw lions mate. We saw leopard. I saw a leopard dude take this 100-pound gazelle and pull it up into a tree. And my overall sentiment is nature's brutal. It just, it's, it's unfiltered. And we were much closer to animals than I anticipated enough. So that like they get used to the cars, but it, it, it still didn't make me feel very comfortable. Was it a good experience for the kids? I'm sure it was. Caden must've oh. loved it. Oh dude. I'm so excited. They were able to have this because they were able to see nature at it's like at its most raw. I mean, yeah, it was a little bit gruesome, a little bit brutal, but you have to get past that. Like, it's just the way it is. Like a cheetah is going to go take down a gazelle and then it's going to eat it. And, and that's just part of the game. And the only part that was a little bit awkward was we saw on two separate instances, a male and female lions mating, um, which was like a little bit above their, like my daughter's 11, my son's eight, a little <laughs> bit above their kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, ah, they're kind of big friends. Uh, I think my daughter, she gets it, but that was <laughs> kind of being, there friends. was no way of hiding it. Right. Cause you're showing right, up there. It's right there. Yeah. You can't tell them to stop or like, you know, go to the next exhibit. It's just there, dude. And so I didn't know. So the lion and the lioness, like do the lions are just so grand and they have this huge mane and they're, they're awesome. But the, the female lions, the ones that are like the badasses, we actually watched one carry a zebra across the road. It was really cool. But anyways, so what, what I thought was really interesting is that the, the mating process took like 10 seconds. So basically like they're next to each other and like they're whatever. And then boom, 10 seconds later, and then they rest and then they do it again and again and again. So a lot of things I didn't know. We actually ended up going into a village, um, which was a cool experience. Learned a lot about the Maasai culture. Learned a lot about different African cultures because our guides were all different. And just try to, you know, learn about, you know, whether it was multiple wives or the way they were raised. And 
we ended up going to one of the villages and uh, visiting how they live with like the clay walls and the mud walls and seeing inside their houses, which was very, um, um, the, the, the biggest takeaway from that was that my children, I would say are, you know, they're, they're privileged in the sense that they get different things. And these children were not as privileged to have things, but yet they were still super happy. It was, um, it was a good learning lesson. I think for my kids to see it, they didn't have as many physical tangible items, but yet all the children seemed very gracious and nice and, and, um, grateful. It was a nice fresh of breath air. It was a, whatever that, that saying goes compared to what we're used to sometimes with the, with, with California. That's awesome, man. Really cool experience. Um, glad you had a good time. Good to have you back and, and it'll be fun to get together in, in, in California next week. Um, what was your like fitness nutrition routine? Like what was the food? Like what were you eating? Dude. So, um, do you have anything crazy? I, I, ha I mean, well, like crazy is all relative. Like, yeah, I had goat, I had curries, I had whole fishes. I had, um, they had like a couple like traditional, like African dishes that we explored at each place. You know, my father-in-law and I, we definitely asked for like the most like traditional thing we could find. And it was nothing like super crazy, like, you know, snake or zebra. Like they don't, they don't, um, they don't hunt. Like we didn't hunt or anything like that. So it was just like traditional foods, but just done really well, like curries and whole fishes. Um, you know, it was nice. Uh, you know, fitness has just became such a part of my family's life now that it really makes it easy to stay on track. Cause like my kids will get up and they just know that they have to get in movement, especially if you're going to be sitting in a safari car for six hours, whatever it is, they know they need to move. Like my daughter would get up like 30 minutes earlier than we needed to, and just do squats, push ups, sit ups in the room. And it made it easier for me to get inspired. And then I, I've never done this before. I took a GORUCK backpack, and this is actually a really good learning lesson, and I, I loaded it for two weeks that I was gone. I used a GR3, which is their biggest model. And in the past, when I'm at the beach, I would load it with sand. But in this case, I loaded it with rocks, and it worked really well. I used that as a back loading, front loading, and clean and jerking with that bag. And then something else I did, which I, I, um, I haven't really done before because we were gone for so long, is I started doing back squats with Caden. And that was actually some good stimulus. So, you know, I know you and I talk about this a lot, but basically introducing an external object. I didn't have an external object for a short period of time while we were on the trip. And so I would use Caden on my back as a uh, back squatting and he seemed to like it. And I liked it. So it worked out well. He was just going on, going along for the ride. No, that's Dude, cool, man. And that's, back, yeah. <clears throat> and that's a really good, good tip in terms of like having the go, just having an implement, right. That you can take that's super versatile. Um, you know, it's interesting though, this whole idea of like, you know, continuing to work out or continuing on your routine on a vacation, right? Like there's, I feel like there's two, like two sides of, of, of the conversation there. Like one I would say is, Hey, you can take two weeks off and it doesn't matter, right? Like you can do nothing for two weeks. Like, don't worry about it. Like if you're in full vacation mode, you can do that. And I think a lot of people, what ends up happening is, you know, they'll do that, but then they'll come back and they'll be like, oh, well, I didn't do anything. And then it kind of turns into a slippery slope where now you're also not getting back into a routine. Then it's like, oh, well, it's summer. Then it's like, oh, the holidays. Next thing you know, you like had a great routine before vacation in August. And then you're like waiting to January to get back on it. So I think that that's, that's the one kind of side of it where I think it's perfectly okay to make vacation vacation and fitness doesn't have to be a priority at all. And two weeks in the grand scheme of things is nothing. But the other side of it, the side that I think you fall on and that I fall on, because 
you know, when I went to Europe and we talked about this, like, yes, we didn't really seek to like get a workout in in the mornings, but we were like walking the entire time. Like that's all we did. And right. that to me was like, Hey, I'm getting movement. And I feel like if I was in a situation where you were in, we're like, Hey, we're going to be sitting in a car for six hours. I know that me and Ariel would definitely have gotten up earlier to get some movement in just because it makes us feel good. It's part of our routine. It's like you wake up in the morning and brush your teeth. That doesn't change on vacation. You're not on vacation and you're like, well, I'm on vacation. I'm not going to brush your teeth. That's just, it's a thing you do. Like you're, you, it's just a habit. So I think yeah, that that, that side makes you feel better, right? Like to your point, like when you're in Europe and you're walking around is different. This experience, like you had to get up and make a conscious effort to move, which is why two of the places we stayed at actually had gyms or a few of them, because you're right, Gabe. I mean, dude, I don't feel as good. Not only like mentally, physically, but like gut wise, I'm not getting as much movement. I don't yeah. feel as it just, for there's sure. so many factors, right? Because it's not normal for a human just to be sitting in. I mean, dude, most days, actually not all days, but some days we would go on two safaris. So you'd leave at 6 AM and get back. Like you'd leave at like five 36 and you'd get back. Like, let's just say at like 11 AM that time, then you would do your thing, whatever. And then you go out on another one at five or 6 PM. And see, so you're in the car for like 10, 12 hours a day. I mean, think about when you're on a road trip for 12 hours a day, you feel wrecked. And so just getting in that movement was so important. But in Europe, it's a little bit different, obviously. Like you couldn't, you couldn't walk anywhere we were at. I mean, at night we had, um, You'll get during eaten. the day, it was fine a little bit, <laughs> but at night, like, dude, you had, a we had security guards, um, with us at night because I mean, it just, you're in the bush, you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you're in the bush. Um, Dude, this one place, Gabe, offered to have somebody run with you if you wanted to run, but it was like a security guard. And we were in Kenya. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, this Kenyan security guard could probably outrun me running backwards with a flashlight and a gun. Because uh, those guys, I mean, you know, that long long distance running out there is so common. And uh, I never took them up on it, but I should have because I would have loved to have seen how much those guys would just dominate me. <laughs> Oh, dude. Yeah. They say it's like a combination of the altitude. And, um, I remember back when I was a big runner too, I, I, I don't know if I read this in a book, listened to it in a podcast, but there's also something to that area of Africa, like genetically, they have the thinnest calves and that is like genetically supposed to be like the best advantage you can have for really long distance running because you don't need to be explosive. You don't need to be big. And if you think about it, like the weight that's on your calves specifically is probably what you're lifting, working to lift the most in like a marathon run, right? So it's, um, I remember reading that it's a combination of those two. Yeah. yeah. Like genetically their bodies are like meant for long distance running. Cause they have like, they're, they're small, but they also just have like super thin calves. Huh? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I didn't, I just know that, yeah, we were at altitude. We, we actually, we flew in, we went out, we flew out of Kilimanjaro. So we were able to see Kilimanjaro, like the mountain, which would be a really cool experience someday to go climb that. Um, for anybody who is interested in going to Africa, um, I, I would, I would highly recommend Kenya. Um, I would also recommend for anybody listening that's interested. Um, we went to five different hotels, but three of them were in the bush. And the first one was like in like a more of a, it's hard to explain, but what I would, I would share with you that if you do want to go there, hit me up, but I would go, I would explore two or three different camps because each one had a lot of different things to offer. Like the first one had a ton of elephants and giraffes and whatever. And the migration was incredible. The second one we went to had a bunch of cats. So it just depends on which each one had its own kind of pros and cons. So just want to caveat that. That's cool, man. 
what's on um have you thought of any trips that are, like would be on your bucket list i know you've you've i you know you've you've been lucky that you you've seen a lot um already um but anything that you like haven't gotten to do that like is yeah, on the machu list Pichu, machu Picchu is on the list for ash and i uh the struggle is just with our kids being so young i think as they get older there's a few things that are on my list that i want to be able to do so i've traveled a lot because of crossfit uh, I used to travel every weekend for them. I also traveled a lot because of our locations over in Asia with corporate wellness. Um, but I have not um, done much of Latin America, which I think would be really fun, or South America as well. And I haven't done um, Machu Picchu. I think would be really cool. Uh, and something else, I, I want to learn how to, this is totally unrelated to the whole bucket list thing, but I want to get my pilot's license. It's just I can't get it until the kids are a little bit older. That's the, that's the word from Ashley. Yeah. No, so. No, no. I don't know. How about you? I mean, Machu Picchu, I, I, I just want to go climbing. I think it'd be really fun, but how about you? Yeah. I, you know, Europe this time was an awesome trip. It was so much fun, but I think we like, you know, we got like a little like taste of everywhere because we did such a, you know, we were, it was 12 days, five different cities. So we were just like in and out, which was awesome to like see everything, but I'd really love to go back and check out some of the places on the coast, you know, whether it's, um, Italy or Greece or kind of I, I think Europe's so cool, man. I love the the history over there. And it's just such a cool place to like check out when you've, you know, we've been lucky that we've seen so much of the US from when we lived full time in the airstream and traveled all over the place. Um so it's cool to kind of, you know, check that out. So nowhere specific, but definitely going back to Europe and and taking our time a little bit more. But you know, like you said, it'll definitely get interesting since it's not going to be just me and Bloom anymore here in a few months. Yeah. I mean, dude, some of the considerations that I didn't really have these considerations before Ava got sick, but now I think about them sometimes is like, dude, when you're in the middle of nowhere, like we were in the middle of nowhere in Africa. And if something had happened to one of the kids or they had gotten sick, it just would have been tough. And so it, it does limit my travel desires a little bit, um, either with the family or by myself, just because if you have no cell service, no communication sure. for weeks, sure. it just, it's another factor before I'd had kids, I would have probably done a little bit more of that, but you don't only know it doesn't matter. But next year, actually, I'm going back to Italy. Um, so Ava celebrates her five year out of treatment, which is uh, technically considered cured. And so we're planning a trip to Italy with the family uh, for, for that. So I'll have to let you know where we end up uh, kind of picking over there. That's awesome, man. <clears throat> man, can you believe it's been five years? It's pretty crazy. That's Good. awesome. Five years out of treatment. So that'll be a good celebration. And yeah, we, when we were in Africa, we had a great we had a great time. I was able to actually watch a decent amount of the CrossFit Games. And then there was a, a big jujitsu tournament actually uh, last night or the night before, um, which was fun, which was, it was a, it kind of a weird fight for anybody who's in the jujitsu game. It was kind of weird, but the CrossFit Games were pretty entertaining. Um, I, I enjoyed actually watching some of those while I was over there as well. So we can talk about the CrossFit Games in a second, but I'll humor you a little bit on the BJJ stuff because I've been humor following me. a lot of. Uh, I've been oh, following Gordon a lot Ryan, of. Are you seeing the beef? Do you seen the beef? But no, but explain it to me a little bit because I'm like an outsider looking in. Like I've seen a lot of the recent stuff he's put up. By the way, he's an excellent troll. Um, but like, give me the bullet points of like what the supposed beef is, and is so, it is it common for them to do um, a no time limit match like that? No, so so first off, Gordon Ryan is the absolute best on social media in regards to trolling and this and that. And in person, he was he's always been super nice to me. Uh, but online, he does a good job of like creating this persona where he he kind of pokes a little bit. He does a good job. So 
you know, there's this who's number one, uh, Flow Grappling has these events and they have different time domains. Some of them are, are it's just, they agree on different rule sets. In this particular case, Penna and Gordon Ryan, or Ryan, they agreed on um, a specific rule set, which was unlimited time. Well, that was interesting. Can you hear me? There it is. Yeah. Well, that was really interesting. So, yeah, I don't know what happened. I mean, out here in California, we're not having any crazy weather or anything, but just the power just went out. We're, we're sitting here recording, and boom, the power went out. But where were we, brother? What were we You're talking right about? You were telling about Gordon Ryan and how they set up this rule, this format. And I was asking you if that's something that they've done before where there was no time limit. Yeah. So the no time limit thing, um, I'm surprised they did it with this fight because a couple weeks ago they did a no time limit fight and dude, it went for like two hours and no one, no one submitted anybody in this case. Um, what ended up happening, this is a really like very bizarre jujitsu match, very bizarre for so many reasons. This gentleman, uh, Felipe Pena, Pena, I hope I'm not butchering his name too bad. One of his really close friends was shot in the head in Brazil earlier that day. So they had been scheduled for this fight for months and a bunch of crap talk has gone back. And basically um, this fight was really interesting because they each put up their own money. And if I'm not mistaken, Gordon put up a hundred grand, Pena put up 10 grand with 10 to one odds that uh, the other would pay them. So basically Pena ended up paying a Gordon a hundred grand for losing that fight. Whereas Gordon would have ended up paying him whatever, a million bucks. So there was money on the line, a lot. Of, it was just a lot going on, man. And then uh, a, uh, um, a like a jujitsu icon passed away, um, and it, which was a really close friend of this other jujitsu athlete. And so he showed up, and basically he still he still fought. And there's discrepancies on should he have fought, should he not have fought. Did he did he tell the um, flow grappling he didn't want to fight, and they forced him into it? A bunch of like kind of he said she said, but in either case. He, he fought and about 40 minutes into the fight, he basically, he, he was having a, I thought he was actually doing a pretty good job. He just tapped and said he was done and just left. Um, so it was a really bizarre fight, man. It was a no time limit. They got through 40 minutes, but there was no submission, nothing. He just got exhausted or whatever happened. He said, I'm done. So I, I think the sport of jiu-jitsu, similar to the sport of CrossFit a little bit, will kind of, um, try different things and see what sticks. And I think right now there's basically like this, there's, there's multiple different ways. There's ADCC rules, there's IBJJF, there's five minute matches, there's gi, there's no gi, there's unlimited. And I think that there's got to find a, a balance to kind of keep it entertaining, but also be a good test. Um, but the no time limit, I don't think is a way to go. Yeah. That was interesting when I saw it. Um, Cause it I didn't know if that's yeah. something that they do. Seems like a logistic nightmare. Dude. It's a logistic nightmare. They do these hues. Number one, I actually went out to one of them. Uh, Joe Rogan was actually at the one that I was at and yeah, logistical nightmare. And ultimately what it comes down to is like, they both just kind of pace and like chill for a while and kind of try and see who tires out more. Cause it, then it becomes a total endurance event. I mean, dude, right. when you're going right. for 40 minutes, it's in, and then they get super sweaty and slippery and, um, but and is there breaks? Like, is there breaks like rounds or it's just, no, it's just literally you're going. Like they went 40 minutes nonstop, which is dude, it's, it's a testament. The problem is from a, from a spectator perspective, both athletes kind of end up just kind of finding like a groove instead of really going at it. So there's other rule sets like ADCC, um, 
the final match is 30 minutes, but I think the, the previous ones, if I'm not mistaken, are 15 minutes long. Um, and so those are going to be a little bit more entertaining. And then it, uh, there's also these rules where for the first five minutes is submission only. And then after that, it's points based. And so basically what it tries to encourage is people like kind of going out there, really trying to go after it. And then if they don't get anything, then it flips over to points based. Because the downside of points based is that if it's only points based, some people will kind of like not take many risks because they don't want to get points scored on them. So it doesn't become as exciting. So it, there's a lot of, um, it, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack with the rules of jiu-jitsu. Similar to CrossFit, I guess. When you compete at Worlds, is yours going to be point-based? Yeah. So mine is very simple. Okay. So I have 30 people in my bracket, which is a lot, I think. And it's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's a single elimination. And um, it's five minutes and it's points-based. Points are submission. So basically, you know, you got to kind of come up with a game plan and go at it for five minutes. Then you rest for maybe like 10 or 15. You fight somebody else. You rest for 10 or 15. You fight somebody else. And the goal is to fight all the way until you're at the championship. Interesting. That's going to be fun to follow in. Um, but let's, um, I, I want to get your hot take on the games. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you got to watch um, a lot of it since you had that downtime in, in the middle of the day um, out in, out in Africa. What was your, what's your hot take on first year, Adrian Bosman programming the games versus, you know, Dave Castro, who, you know, has done it every year since. I mean, that was a big change off the bat. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I actually had lunch with Dave Castro 30 minutes ago uh, before recording. And, you know, it was tough for me to hear that, like, you know, he wasn't really, in, he wasn't involved with anything. And I think that um, that was a, that was a big shift for the CrossFit games, especially because they sure. brought him back in the fold. You know, it, it, just to remember, he got fired. And then they brought him back as like an affiliate ambassador. But you would think if like he's kind of underneath the fold again, why wouldn't you have him at the games just even to like be a figurehead of some type? They didn't involve him at all, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I thought overall the for, games looked really good. For someone like that, though, I, I could see for someone like that. And again, I don't know, Dave. You know Dave a lot better than I do, obviously. Um, but I, I could definitely see that for someone like that, I could see see his preference being like either I'm running the ship or I rather not be involved at all, you know, so because it's, it's how, kind of like, yeah, I could see how you would say that. Right. And I, I would think the same thing, but when I had lunch with him, he seemed like he would have been totally open to just going mm. there and announcing one event or just kind of being around. Like, um, cause I would have agreed with you. Like he seemed like the kind of guy like, Hey, I'm either running the show or I'm completely out. Right. I right. don't think that was the way it was. So I do know that he has, you know, he wants to get back in the games fold. And I think that, you know, we'll see what Cross ends up doing. But overall, I thought, um, look, no one's ever going to be completely happy with the, yeah. with the way the events go. They're yeah, never. Absolutely not. Yeah. That's the tough thing. That's the tough thing about, you know, because we've talked about this a little bit before. Like, you know, would there be a benefit to saying, hey, the CrossFit Games is going to be these 12 tests. And you know what they are. They test every single facet. I get the fact that like, you know, the unknowable and like, you should be able to like test people for things that they maybe didn't practice throughout the whole year. But I can see the argument of, Hey, there are these 12 tests through four days that are going to touch every facet equally based and, you know, kind of eliminating the fact that, like you said, every year there's going to be someone that says, Hey, there was too much gymnastics. There was too much heavy stuff. There was too much 
this and it played to these athletes. Yep. 100%. So um, I was actually talking to Dave about this today. Um, I think there's a world in the future. This is just, again, my opinion, where like you have these 10 events that build up the CrossFit Games and then you have five others that are unknown um, or three others or four others or whatever it is. It's difficult from a judging perspective. It's it's difficult in so many ways, right? Because the the even the programmer, like Boz, didn't know exactly how any of these events were going to go. Like, yeah, you could test them, you could try them, but you don't really know until you know. Like, especially like one like the um, the capital event, which I thought was really cool. You don't know how it's going to go until it's actually happening. Whereas if you have the same event over and over again, like a soccer game or NASCAR, it's the same thing. You could know, hey, what works, what doesn't, how do we do this, how do we do that. Whereas with this, you're kind of learning as you go. So my opinion was that I enjoyed, I thought the events were pretty cool. Seeing the parallel bars, I thought was really fun throwback. I, I sent you that video earlier. Um, we got a pair of parallel bars at the gym and it's funny because looking at it, um, Liz on our team had mentioned me and said, oh, someone mentioned you on the broadcast. And I hadn't remembered about those parallel bars for years but Boz had actually been at our gym, if I'm not mistaken, like 10 years ago. And he was a big gymnastics guy and he was on him. And we ended up creating like this thing called, we called it the man test. I probably wouldn't call it the man test anymore. That was 10 years ago. Probably would have called it something different, but it was, it was, <laughs> doing, it was doing dips. And then you traverse on these um, parallel bars and you do dips and then you traverse on the parallel bars. And for those people that haven't done that before, it, it is so amazingly hard. So Anyways, my, my, my overall opinion was I thought the game was really good. Um, I thought the leaderboard shook out the way it, I imagined it probably would. Um, but I do think um, CrossFit needs to take a look at like how the athletes are being represented when they're on live TV and looking at how, how far is too far in terms of like the margins of the experience. So like, for example, if you look at the new activities they did with um, the kettlebells and, and different stuff, like that's pretty simple. But if you look at like the double under and the crossover or, or a uh, legless pegboard, like even though I'm not saying that shouldn't have been in or should have been, I think just taking into consideration, like, will our athletes look, but maybe they don't care how they look, you know, maybe they don't care if the athletes look like they can't finish it. That would be the only, my only, I guess, criticism if I had any. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Like, are they trying to trip up the athlete, like, are they purposefully trying to make them look like, hey, they can't do this? And I think that the funny thing about this too is, is like one thing that a lot of, of the athletes struggled with was the um, the crisscross double unders. You well, know, like, they had to be unbroken only... too. Well, the crisscross ones didn't. The singles oh, and didn't. the doubles did, but the crisscross oh. ones did not. But people still were like not getting it. And it's so funny because like now, if you go on social media, like everyone's doing them. Like everyone could do them now, like just people at home. Um, so it's funny too, because it's like, I get the point of, Hey, this is something you definitely didn't expect to see here. Like what's your, what's your raw athleticism, right? Like how well can you like, just sure you can do 300 double unders unbroken because you practice that all the time. But if I tell you to do this new thing with a jump rope, can you figure it out? I get that point. But then on the other side, you know, like, like you said, are you really just trying to find something that's so obscure that just has, you know, the fittest people on earth just kind of standing there frustrated? And is that, is that the best test? I, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't have an opinion either way. Um, but that's a lot of kind of the, the debate, you know, going on in the, 
in the comments. And then I'll tell you what, if you went the other way, you would have had debates this way. Meaning like, let's just say you had just sure. gone like old school gangster CrossFit. Like you had taken out those high Thrusters, pull-ups and double unders all day. Right. Like you would have said, oh, there was no complexity here. There was no new skills. Um, I mean, I got to tell you, man, a couple of the events that really stuck out to me, which got me really excited. I thought the Capitol building was like so cool to finish. Uh, for those of you who didn't see it, like basically you finished the updated burden run more or less, uh, which was an event that like I really loved, but you one, one of your favorite, right? One of my favorites. I mean, I won that event. It felt good. And, but dude, them carrying that sandbag or whatever up those stairs, just so epic. The pictures were so beautiful. I thought that was a really cool event. I thought the, um, the like Jackie pro was pretty cool. Cause I couldn't even imagine rowing doing 50 thrusters at 95 pounds and 30 bar muscle-ups as fast as they did. That was pretty impressive. So, and I thought, I actually thought, I actually thought the sandbag heavy was a cool twist on a barbell. Personally, I know there's people out there that are going to be like, dude, you know, you got to keep it authentic. There was no heavy barbell, whatever. I thought it was pretty cool. So that those are my overall sentiment is that I thought the games were really cool. I enjoyed watching them. Um, but I think that CrossFit needs to have a really serious conversation about where do they want to take the sport and do they want to go, do they want to create some margins or do they want to go a little bit out or do they want to go a lot out? Because I think that makes a difference. Like, you know, and you want people to look good on TV. Like, should they have been doing pull-ups with the helmet on? I don't know, man. I, like, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. That's like, um, you know, that's prime real estate for everyone that wants to, you know, throw up memes and gifts about how CrossFit's a joke. Yeah. And, and so you, it's just, again, but then you could, I, I, again, if I listened to a podcast that Boz did with Savan and like, it was a great rebuttal. Like, oh, so this is the first time we're seeing pegboard, uh, legless or whatever. He's like, dude, did you ever see a pegboard done any other way until CrossFit created it? Like in general, when you saw the old school pegboards, like at wrestling places, you wouldn't do them with your legs. So like, sure. and, and, and Boz brought some of that again, gymnastics flair there. That's pretty common. Like parallel bars are, are, are a staple. So yeah. I see debates either way. I think that they just need to come together and say, Hey, what, what do we want to be about? Where's this sport going? And, uh, what's the future of it? You know, I really agree with you on the, the sandbag. I thought the sandbag event was cool because, you know, when it's like a snatch or a clean and jerk, like, you know, there's the really good lifters and like, well, no scratch that everyone now, I think is a really proficient lifter. <laughs> everyone, right? like, yeah. Everything looks good. And it's just kind of, there's the really strong proficient people that you kind of know are going to win. What I really liked about the sandbag event is that people had to like grind. Like there were some of those reps that it was like, it was like 20 seconds of like, are they going to get it? Are they going to get it? And then it drops like last minute. Like it was such a, it was so cool as you got close to the uh, later sandbags and you knew that there was a lot on the line to just see these, like these guys and these girls, like just absolutely lay it all out there to just like try and get this thing, like two more inches up yeah. on their shoulder so they can put out their other arm. Like it was just such a battle. And I love that. Cause you'll never see that anymore no. on like a one rep max snatch or clean jerk. It's like, do they get it or do they miss? And then that's right. No, I think that's a really good perspective. So it's funny earlier today, I was using my, I have a 150 pound sandbag and dude, I was doing like, I was doing what they were doing and like 150 felt pretty damn heavy to me. I don't know how these guys, it, I think the winner got like 350, wasn't it? Was it 350? I, no one lifted the 350 because they brought out an extra bag out, but there were a, a, a good handful that did the 340, which is insane. Dude, 
bro, I'm telling you, man, I got this 150. <laughs> and even that one is like, I mean, yeah, I get it up. It's fine. But dude, 150 feels heavy. How the, f I don't know how they got, like, you're right though. It's just that, that is one of those like, turn off the brain, get in the grunt work. You have the whole crowd firing you up. I bet you if those same people try and do it at the gym, they won't be able to do as well. They needed that energy because it's just so grimy and such a mental fight. Um, I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was a great event. Um, good call on that one too about what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, one of my favorites. The Capitol was super cool. Again, I, the sandbag implement at the end, like just, it's funny because remember, I don't know if I told you this when you came here, but I warm up every single day. And again, I'm doing this with just 100 pound sandbag because I hurt my back really bad and it's way back. And it's just been a really good thing to kind of like keep everything there engaged and strong. I love warming up with it. I'll do like a 300 meter. I think it ends up being like sandbag bear hug hold just with a hundred pounds. And the fact that these guys were doing it <clears throat> with, uh, I think the men was 200 women was 150 and it was after a three and a half mile run after they did the pick flip this is not even day one of competition and at the end they had to go upstairs they had to go upstairs uh, the stairs of the game changer, bro. like oh dude, yeah <laughs> like it's all good and well until you have to go upstairs like and it's it's funny because i was doing some bear hugs this morning too and i was putting myself in that same position i don't know if i've ever done i don't know maybe i was at the rogue invitational we did like some couple hundred pounds but dude going up those stairs after all that that's that's a testament to to their efforts. So yeah, man, I, I thought, dude, all that is good. I just think, you know, I, I just always reflect on like this and see, I see the crowd, I see the energy. And I just ask myself, like, where is this going? Is this where it's at? Is this, is this where the CrossFit games are at? Has it reached its like size of people that are interested or is there an opportunity to grow it even more through doing X, Y, Z or, or whatever? Um, that's, that's, that's what immediately comes to my mind. You know, when I'm watching these type of events, it's like, you know, I used to race BMX bikes. I was actually talking to Dave Kasher about that today. And in BMX, it was a pretty, you know, it's been around for a while. And it had just grown to a size where like this many people were interested. They held them at, you know, cattle coliseums. And that's where our national championships were. And that was just what it was. Um, whereas NBA and other things kind of grew over here. Like where is CrossFit going to play on the spectrum of like, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever sport, call it over here versus you know, the NFL, I, I don't know, but I hope to see it continue to rise up. Yeah. It was a cool event though. I, I, I didn't like, if you would have asked me the week before how excited am I for the CrossFit games, I would have been like, you know, like maybe I'll put it on. But, um, I, I watched a couple of the first events just cause it was on and I actually got really kind of like drawn into it and I was watching it all weekend. Um, it was pretty cool. Same thing happened to me. I think, I don't know why. <laughs> I think part of it that drew me, to, you know, I'm a little biased, is like I wanted to see what Boz came up with too. I did. I was curious. Sure, like, sure. What events is Boz going to do? Um, and uh, yeah, I was, I was curious what tests he was going to do. Like I, I don't – I wouldn't say I watched like full events that much. Like some of the mm -hmm. shorter ones and I watched a lot of like the finishes and I definitely kept up on the leaderboard. But I didn't really watch like full events and I surely didn't watch the earlier heats. And I wonder what we could do or what the sport can do to get new users engaged to, to watch. Like, maybe that just is what it is, right? Like people are just going to tune in for the, like the, the final top 10, right? That's, that's what they're interested in. Who's winning type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Hey, I thought it was great. I enjoy watching it. The jujitsu match was gnarly. Uh, 
it was overall, I mean, Africa, like I'm, but I, I am back and I'm ready to rock and roll, man. I, uh, you know, I, if there's something about traveling and the way we did it and stuff, it was great. It was, it was super well needed. Actually, it gave me a lot of time to kind of like sit with my thoughts and think through where we're going as a business. I think that kind of thing is very healthy and, and, and necessary, uh, especially when you cut out the noise because of the time change. Um, but it's time to get back to work. You know, I, it, it reminds me of like, I'm happy to be home. And I'm happy to be working and I'm happy to be in our gyms. And like, that's a really good thing. Like, I don't want to escape and just be gone. You know, I want to be home. I want to be in our gym. So that in itself is a cool realization for me after being gone for two weeks. Yeah, man. Super fortunate, right? There's so many people that, you know, for them coming back from vacation is probably like, oh no, coming back to reality. You know, I think yeah. it's, it's super fortunate if you're in a position where you're excited like, right. yes, vacation was great. You're refreshed, you know, kind of disconnected for a while, but like, let's go. I think that, yeah. that that's, that's super cool. Man. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I mean, that, that's, and that's a good reflection for me to have. I did read a book. Um, I, uh, I read, uh, green lights by Matthew McConaughey. I don't know if you've read it. I thought it was fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on my <laughs> top. I wouldn't put it on my top list. You know, I think that if you're interested in good storytelling, I thought that Tim Kennedy's book was excellent for storytelling perspective. Um, Matthew McConaughey also did some storytelling, but I, I just, it wasn't as interesting to me. Um, it was fine, but that was a book I read. Just letting you know. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just wrapped up, I wrapped up raising men, which was a, a I thought a really good um, parenting book, super non-traditional parenting book written by a, a Navy SEAL. Um, so that was a cool book. And then I just started my second parenting book, um, came recommended from a good friend of mine. Um, what is it? Hunt, gather, parent. Actually interesting, you know, in relation to, to your trip, because it's, it's this woman who was having like the worst time with her three-year-old daughter. Like just, she was like, I'm doing everything that the books tell me to do. And like, it's a constant battle with my kid. Like she was super frustrated and she ended up going and visiting three, like, I don't want to say like indigenous cultures, but cultures that like do things differently, still places where there's smartphones and all that good stuff, but cultures where, you know, they still do things the way we used to do things. And it's all about like the, the takeaway she got from how we used to parent um, and all the things that, you know, the West is doing a little bit backwards. It's just a really super, it's a really interesting alternative take on a lot of the things that even I would have, you know, heard, you know, you, you kind of do with kids of like setting them up with chores and how to educate and this and that. Um, so that's the the second book that I'm reading. I just started, so I don't have too much to share, but um, it's just been interesting to read two books that I think are not your traditional, like, Hey, here's what you need to do when your kid comes. Because like you said, you know, you can read all the books in the world and you're not going to, you know, once, once shit hits the fan, like you're, you're going to have to figure it out. So it's been cool to lean more into books that just take a super non-traditional look at it just to kind of get you thinking in a different way. So it's been fun. Yeah, dude. Well, and then, and then if I was you, I'd read a book that does it in traditional way and then compare that, right? Like, cause I'd be curious your feedback. Hey, I read two books that were non-traditional. I read two books that were traditional. My take is going to be somewhere in the middle and, or whatever. I'm not saying it would be, I'm just, it's sure. You know, parenting is, is complex, but if I could, if I could tell myself one thing, it's just showing up. That's it. You just got to show up. And you, you got to show up for your kids all the time. That's been really helpful for me because it's earned like their, um, I don't want to say respect. That's probably not the right term, but it's earned um, 
like they know that I'm there to support them. Like I'm at their events, I'm at their games, I'm talking to them, I'm trying to help them. And so they know that anything I say comes from a place of care. Um, and then I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm there and I'm present and I'm, I'm, I think that's, that's really helped my relationship with my kids because, um, they know that I'm on their team. So when I'm trying to say something or do something or even discipline, which we don't really do, like, we don't, we're not like overly aggressive discipline people. Um, but they know that I'm doing it through a place of like, Hey, like, you know, care, right? Like Caden, we were in, we were, we were overseas in Africa and he asked for, um, more, more water or something. He said it just in like a little bit of a, like a borderline condescending way. Like, um, can I, can I have some water or something like that? And I was like, bro, whoa, I, I, it was kind of, I probably went a little bit too much because like the whole family was eating, but they all know where we're going. Like, Hey, we want to nip it in the butt quickly. Like, Hey, we're going to treat this person a lot of respect. We're going to say, please, we're going to look at them in the eye. And those habits over time have built into the kids and it's been, it's been pretty cool to watch. So anyway, showing up, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, man. No, I love that. That's a lot of what raising men was about you know, just being really consistent because he equates everything to, you know, being a Navy SEAL and just how important it is to, you know, other Navy SEALs aren't going to respect you if you're not consistent and a part of the team and showing up and kind of equating that to what it is to raise a family and raise, you know, specifically a, a, a boy. Um, so anyway, really good read. I enjoyed that book a lot. Yeah. I mean, dude, like raising kids, you know, for anybody who has a kid who's listening, and we, we get this a lot. I mean, look, it is not easy and there is no perfect. And I just think that if you show up and if you care, and if you were trying your best, like that's really, honestly, that's all that anybody can really ask for. And, um, you know, something I think about all the time is like, if I could have these micro check-ins with myself and say, Hey, how did I do today as a husband, a father, as a business owner, whatever. And and have that micro check in and say, Hey, what, have, how did I do? And if today I did really good on these areas, maybe I could have done better at this area, then try and make some changes tomorrow or the next day. <laughs> and I think the secret is with these micro check-ins is that you're not going to wake up one day and realize that you weren't engaged somewhere in your life. Right? So I try and have those micro check-ins on a regular basis. And I think from a parenting perspective, it helps because you're not always going to put a, 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 a tens on the scoreboard. You're not like some days you're going to look at it and be like, man, I could have done a better job, but then you just fix it the next day. And instead of like looking at it like, Oh, a year later, you're like, damn, I've been a shitty dad for the last year. <laughs> so the, the micro check has been helpful for me. Awesome. Cool, man, dude. All good. Well, Hey, um, I don't know. Did we have any, from a training and nutrition perspective, I know this, we kind of went off on about Africa, but I think, uh, I think we'll get back on the answering questions on, on the next episode. I really wanted to catch about catch up about Africa and stuff, but, um, we'll definitely get back to those questions next time we record. Yeah. I, uh, you know, and something else just to kind of close loop on Africa, something else that I told myself going into it and I told the kids and I told the family was just kind of setting the expectation and that, Hey, there's gonna be a lot of travel. There's going to be a lot of unknowns we might miss a flight. We might do this. We might do that. We might have extra delays and like knowing going into it that you chose to, to put yourself in those positions has been helpful, was helpful for me and helpful for the family to say, Hey, we chose to go on this trip. We know there's going to be some challenges along the way. We'll overcome them, but not to kind of like, uh, get too worked up if they happen because you, you chose to go on the trip. You knew that that was a part of it, that this could happen and just go out there and just deal with it. So that, that was a nice thing for us to kind of go into it, knowing it was going to be a struggle of travel, 
so that this way the expectation was set. It was going to be tough. So that when it wasn't as bad, it didn't seem as bad. Instead of just kind of going out there and being oblivious to the fact that you have eight-hour layovers and this flight could be delayed and stuff like that, just knowing that, hey, this could be bad. It's going to be okay. We chose to go on this trip. Let's go have a great time while we're at it. So that was that was a that was a big takeaway from our trip too, going into it. Setting an expectation always important. Yeah, man, always important. Well, dude, um, hey, when do you start your uh, your new marketing course? By the way, I started started yesterday. We did like it was like first day of school, man. <laughs> Intros around the classroom is. Did you really? Yeah. Did you raise your hand and say hi? I'm Gabe Yanez. I live on a farm and. Uh, no, what would no, you no. say? Like, I didn't, I didn't like know that? that. No, yeah, it was like, you know, a short intro. I, I, I don't know if you like have realized this about me yet, but I'm like, I'm very much like in the beginning, like very introverted, I would say, especially like in the beginning of a new group. I think that once, once I'm like familiar with the people around me, like I definitely open up. And in the beginning, I'm very much like back of the classroom type of guy. So yeah, hey, definitely not meeting with that. Yeah. Well, hey, shout out to you for going out there and basically taking this marketing, advertising, uh, social media, uh, sales course. I'm really curious to see what you learn. I'd love to share uh, through these episodes, maybe some takeaways that you're having. Sure. I mean, I yeah. think it, it takes a lot of uh, wavos to kind of go out there and kind of put yourself out there and go learn new skills. We've talked about that a lot. So congratulations for doing it, man. I, I can't wait to hear every week, like what you're learning and what new things you could bring to the company and maybe share with other people. For sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing. So um, yeah, we'll definitely talk about it here. Perfect. So speaking of sharing, if you're a gym owner out there, make sure to add on to our bi-weekly uh, business email that Gabe actually creates, especially now with this new content that he's generating through going to school, like rob and steal everything you can from Gabe and from our team. So make sure you join up for that. That's going to be linked in the podcast show notes. And then if you're an athlete out there and you're crushing it in the garage, in your gym, and you want to do the same workouts that we do on a regular basis, make sure you check out the NC Fit app. Um, Gabe, any kind of closing remarks on your thoughts? No, man, that's it. Um, anyone that's thinking about the NC Fit app, we do have a really awesome Olympic lifting cycle that's coming up in September. And in, in August, leading up to that, the program is starting to touch the Olympic lifts a little bit more and more to kind of get you ready for the start of that cycle. So if you're at that point, point where like summer's ending and you kind of want a routine to jump into something a little bit more structured, you can do that right on the NCFIT app because we have that starting September 1st with a little lead-in starting now once this episode comes out. So a good reason to check out the NCFIT app if you've just kind of been thinking about it. Dude, love it. New Holy Cycle, everything else we got going on. All right, Gabe, have a great day, everybody listening. Thank you so much. Keep crushing it. Keep getting after it. We'll see you guys in, uh, next week for another episode. Let's do it.